0: All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. WTF? Welcome to it. How's uh, how's it going with you guys? Um, I feel all right. You, you guys. I talked to uh, Pamela DeBars today. She is the original. Well, obviously not the original groupie. But uh, she was part of the organized groupie situation. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, she has a podcast, uh, "Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party," and she writes a regular column for the uh, "Please Kill Me" website. She was, she was there back in the late '60s, man, doing the business with the with the fellas, and uh, you know, just hanging out with. She's a world famous groupie, I guess is is what you would say. And she had a lot of she had relationships with a lot of the the big musicians uh, back in the day. I'd always heard her name. I'd met her once over at the Zappa house in that brief period of my life where I was dating a Zappa. And uh, I don't know. It just, uh, we. I decided, why not talk to Pamela at the bars and we're doing it. And so that's going to happen shortly. I will be at the Masonic in San Francisco this Saturday, day after tomorrow, October 26th for the final stop on my tour before taping my special next week there are some tickets left at wtfpod.com/tour also well you know i i you know not that this is going to be incentive uh, for people to go see the show either you want to come see the show or you don't uh, my uh, my buddy um, luke schwartz luke schwartz door guy from the comedy store which is how i started is going to come up there and open for me uh luke's a good guy funny guy and uh what else yeah i've reloaded the merch store We've put a bunch of new stuff in there at the WTF merch store. We've got new, uh, we got new shirts with the draplin design and metallic ink. we got a ringer tee, a ladies muscle tee. we got tumblers and water bottles and hats. But you can go to podswag.com slash WTF or click on merch at WTFpod.com. Going to San Francisco for the big show at the Masonic. as Masonic uh, auditoriums always, you know, Masonic lodges masonic temples i know there's a back room to this one some guy wrote me about it but uh you know i'll let you know how that goes because i'm on the inside folks i don't know if you knew that about me i'm on the inside you know i said you know i was just drawing to attention the fact that our president is a dirtbag and uh sometimes look you know it doesn't have to be deep oddly and i know this doesn't this cuts both ways but sometimes it's very satisfying just to you know call people names (laughs) God knows he knows that, so yeah. Sometimes it just feels good to say "President Dirtbag," but uh, but because of uh, some of my commentary that uh, was uh, uh, immediately disregarded as commentary by the uh, QAnon folks. But uh, you know, look, if you want autocratic rule if you want to bend the system into some sort of single party nightmare if you want to you know there's it's a difference between having political differences and having uh, different opinions on the other side and wanting the other side to be dead but uh, whatever commentary i made about the uh, un-american people some of them got riled up. I think some of them made uh, some sort of mini mini film project about me, and uh, you know it's been revealed, folks, that apparently I you know I'm I'm on the payroll of George Soros and uh, I'm actively working for deep state, and somehow uh, Barack Obama's involved in this scheme that involves me calling the president a scumbag and calling people that support this momentum that we're in now as as being somewhat un American. And uh, I just want to say that uh, you got me, man. You got me. I, you know, we all get on the phone every morning. There's a big conference call with everybody that works for uh, Soros and Deep State. Uh, Soros isn't usually on the call, but you know, deep state representatives are, are usually calling from their secret phones, and uh, it's a big conference call with a lot, with me and a lot of uh, of other liberal celebrities, where uh, we just get uh, the talking points, and we're we're told sort of, you know, how you know w- what we're trying to do, uh, which is obviously spread socialism throughout the country to the point where everyone's making the same amount of money and nobody has any freedom. So that's sort of, you know, that's a, that's a big job. You, you know, it's a lot of time on the phone and, and to be honest with you, the checks don't roll in, you know, they're deep state and Soros, not as organized as you think, you know, the payroll never on time and it's never as much as you think it's going to be. But, uh, but we're also terrified all the time, you know, that if we don't say what we're going to, what, what they want us to say that Soros and deep state and, uh, you know the and Barack Obama, who you know who does get on the phone occasionally with us to tell us what's up, um, are going to come down on us. So I just I you caught me, and uh, look, I'm just hoping my checks keep coming in from uh, deep state and from uh, Soros, and I, I hope I don't get into trouble for revealing to you fucking dummies that uh, yeah that you got me. I Mark Maron in my house doing my podcast. Or I talk to people in the creative business, you know, and being paid by George Soros personally to call President Donald Trump a scumbag at least you know twice a month, big money, folks, big money. So, San Francisco, folks, I've been in this auditorium before, the Masonic. I actually that I think that was in 1992. That was where the finals of the San Francisco Comedy Competition were. I think maybe 93? Fuck, I don't know. But uh, that was the year that Carlos Alzraki came in first. I came in second. Patton Oswalt came in third. I think Rick Kearns came in fourth. And I can't remember who came in fifth, but I've been there and it was weird, folks. You know, I got, I got the zap on my brain because I was a little closer to the source of the big conspiracy that i'm now involved in because i work uh for deep state on the payroll um and george soros sorry i gotta throw a little love to soros you know what i mean because he's signing the checks for my podcast fucking idiots um anyway but yeah i had the zap on my head about the uh, masonic but i knew man i don't know if you've ever competed uh in anything but i don't compete a lot you know, I compete in my mind and, and certainly I, you know, we're all competitive, but to actually be in that, that competition was so fucked up, man. They had these judges and then they'd break down these numbers and they put the numbers up the next day and you would never understand how it broke down or what the numbers were. And there was 40 people when the thing started and it comes down to five and oh my God, what a fucking stressful nightmare for comedy. But you know what? I knew it. Uh, here's my point is that sometimes it's just not your night man and uh and i kind of knew it wasn't my night and i don't know if that was my own head if that was you know a real thing or i was picking up a mystical vibe but uh i knew going in it was not my night and it was i second place is not bad but it ain't first but i knew it when i went on i'm like i ain't fucking getting over right oh my god so that place is polluted for me i'm gonna have to go go there transcend and kick some ghosts ass that's the big plan but uh there are tickets i'm looking forward to going to san francisco for a couple days i'm actually gonna i think i'm gonna drive up and oh and i'm gonna i haven't done this the whole tour but i'm gonna do a meet and greet i guess yes i am i'm gonna i'm gonna sell some posters myself maybe luke will sit out there with me gonna sell some posters and meet the people, take some pictures. I ordered ordered myself a new square reader so people can charge with their cards. Bring cash, though. 40 bucks for the hand screen poster. Yeah, by Raquel Jack. 40 buckaroos. But it's cool. And and it's like, I know some people in other places are like, where was our poster? How come no Philly poster? How come no DC poster? Because it's a lot to wrangle. And this was sort of specific because I just felt that this particular artist kind of played into the San Francisco trip, man. Even the 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 font, the graphic of my name is taken from the old uh, weirdo, the Arkham Weirdo comics. So what? I, it just was a vibe, and this is where it's at. I got a hundred of those fucking posters. I want ninety-eight actually? I'm taking two for myself. I hope you don't mind. And I'll be there. Hopefully the show will be good. There's nothing worse than the meet and greet when the show's not great, and you just kind of be. Got to be like, uh, oh, thanks. Yeah. Hey, I tried, man. Yeah. No, I've, I've done better. Oh, thanks. It was, it was okay. It, okay. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy. Just pretend. Pretend like it's amazing. Yeah, that's, that. I don't know if that's great advice. I don't know if it's honest advice, but don't take the experience away from somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Everything's great. What a great night. But then they might walk away and be like, I think that guy's delusional. Is he delusional? I hope my check from Deep State is here. So Pamela DeBars is here. It was. A, it, it's sort of interesting going back. She was, you know, she lived. She was part of rock and roll at a very kind of important, kind of crazy time in this city. And she's a uh, uh, she's infamous and mythic. And she has a podcast called Pamela DeBars pajama party she writes a regular column for the please kill me website and she's uh, here and i'm going to talk to her well she was here so this is me and pamela i live five minutes from whole foods oh five minutes Boy, from trader joe's lucky
1: lucky lucky i'm not near a whole foods either
0: oh my god where do you live in the valley
1: yeah way out in the valley recita Reseda?
0: Reseda.
1: that's where i'm from
0: uh, you grew up in Reseda? Yeah, yeah. I have no sense of Reseda. I know I drive by it. Is there anything <laughs> nice about it? I mean, I've seen the sign for Reseda. Have you heard Free Fallen? No, I know. That's what always comes to mind. <laughs> of
1: course, yeah.
0: right? Is that about you?
1: You know, I always thought it was. <laughs> uh, just because of, of Jesus and Elvis and my mom and Reseda. Did and you know Tom? I only met Tom briefly. Oh. Yeah.
0: He was, but, he was one of the few that you didn't know.
1: Um, There's a lot of them I didn't actually know. Right, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but socialize with. Oh, never, yeah. Yes. No,
1: I met him once at Dylan's house. It was one of the best days of my life. Bob Dylan's 50th birthday party.
0: Oh, yeah? I met you once. When? I met you briefly. Maybe not. I dated Moon for like six months. So, I was at a Christmas party before Gail died, maybe the last one. Okay. And uh, With
1: all the trees in the living yeah. room. Yeah.
0: So, I think oh. you were there.
1: Always there for Always all there. Her parties. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, I was sort of, um, I, I don't know if we met, but I, I think we did briefly. Yeah, it was quite a, an array of characters. Always. At the Zappa house. Yes.
1: <laughs> Always.
0: Yeah. And that house is gone now.
1: Well, Lady I mean, Gaga owns it now. Did Lady Gaga buy it? Yes, she did. Eleven point five.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: At least she wanted Frank's studio, of course.
0: the The original one downstairs, mm-hmm. the the one with the low ceilings.
1: Yeah, I got to studio. see it. Yeah. Oh, you, you yeah. did. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what years were you with? What? what when he, did I date which Moon? Six it's months. About yeah. five
0: years ago or so. Okay. So it was like Bill so uh, was
1: unwell already.
0: No, she, she literally got sick when I was with Moon towards the oh. end of it. And I didn't oh. really know, like, it was a very brief, like, window. Yeah. But, yeah, she started to get sick right right when I was, uh, around the time I was with Moon. Mm. And it, I don't know that it ended particularly well with us, but she recently reached out and was like, uh, hey, let's not be weird.
1: Good. She's still, you know, I've known her all her life. I you have, she right? She was six months old, Yeah what was your? she's 51 now
0: right yeah that's crazy that's
1: how long i've known that girl
0: yeah but you used to wait watch them i was their
1: governess i lived in the house in the zappa house for three years and then i'd go back and forth whenever i was having trouble finding somewhere to live or moved out with somebody gail would always take me back and i would be the nanny governess for however long that lasted so how are, like I, I mean I,
0: I guess a lot of people you know your story because you've written a couple books about it and you're sort of infamous and but there is sort of um, the 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 movement like where does where does it start how do you get to Los Angeles did you, did were you always here
1: Well, I was raised in Merceda. Yeah, I know, but were Valley. you born here? I was born in L.A. Yes, you were. Uh huh.
0: So your I'm folks a SoCal are from here. Gal. Oh yeah. Do you have siblings? No, they're from the South. Oh,
1: no, I'm an only child. Uh-huh. My mom lost a couple of kids before me, a couple after me, so yeah. I I was uh, adored, yeah. and, and worshipped and revered. But you know, I got in trouble. It wasn't yeah. like you know, that well, I, I didn't early have on. consequences. Yeah, um, yeah, I I got in trouble, but I was always music crazed.
0: But this is like the '60s, right? So you're 50s. like so '50s.
1: '50s. I was music crazed. I got turned on to Elvis Presley when yeah. I was nine. Right. I went to a my dad. You know, I still love thrift stores and thrifting and treasure hunting because my dad took me to thrift stores and garage sales when I was a little kid. It's
0: not the same anymore, though, because everyone knows what they have. You really get to find good shit, you know, like records and stuff. You got to hope that the person doesn't know what they have. Right.
1: Yeah. Most people, Well, eBay changed everything. Exactly, right. Yeah. Yeah, The
0: internet just ruined it.
1: It truly did. However, I travel all over the country teaching my writing workshops. Yeah. And I go to all the small town thrift stores and I uh, yeah. still, believe me, I still find great stuff. What do you look for? Mainly vintage clothes and uh-huh. Nicky knacks yeah. My house is so full. Some people might call me a hoarder, but they uh-huh. would be wrong.
0: An organized hoarder.
1: Yeah, very organized.
0: Yeah, yeah. Clean. <laughs> yeah, clean. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> a collector. But anyway, yes. Elvis at uh, nine, I yeah. went. My dad took me and he said, pick anything you want. And I didn't see any dolls or toys or anything, but I saw a stack of records and- yeah. The first one was uh, Great Balls of Fire. I picked because of the yellow, you know, really bright seven-inch ones. Cover, or,
0: yeah, or uh, no, big they ones. were forty-fives. Yeah, forty fives. And yeah. then
1: I uh, Elvis was right under that, yeah. and I had seen him on Ed Sullivan. I was curious, so I bought it. It was Jailhouse Rock.
0: Uh, I bet you Jerry Lee would be happy that you saw his first and that.
1: Yeah, Elvis, Elvis <laughs> he probably would. would. <laughs> yeah. So I brought those <laughs> home and my life was altered for all time
0: i get, you know when i hear about uh people who were kids when that stuff happened it, you know I, I i guess like it's hard when you just listen to it at, at, at my you know when my dad played that stuff for me yeah it was like yeah that's that's great music i love it but it was really mind-blowing i mean when it came out oh it, the, like, yes, it was like it was
1: like life altering ch- right. planet tilting you know yeah yeah elvis you know was doing the black music but he gave them credit. He put he actually brought black music to the fore, which was really important, I thought, but sure. a lot of people say he ripped them off. I don't think so. He was doing what felt right to him. He was a kid.
0: Yeah, music is uh, an evolution of ripping off.
1: Yes, yeah, for sure. Even <laughs> Dylan <laughs> says that who's my god.
0: Yeah, he's your guy. He's my yeah, god. Some man. of the later Dylan records, he actually, you know, claims writing credit on songs that are I'm pretty sure pretty traditional. It, but the, but that's not you didn't you came to him a little later. Yeah.
1: Well, no. Right away. I, yeah. I was in high school when Victor Hayden went to my high school, who was Captain Beefart's cousin, Don Victor Van Hayden. Vliet.
0: Don Van Vliet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with Captain Beefheart? Of course I am. Oh, good. I do well, a whole then...
0: comedy bit about oh. Captain Beefart. Oh. and I talked to Moon about uh, about Captain Beefart, teaching her how to drive.
1: Uh huh. Wow. Well, he taught me a lot too. I was in high school. Victor went to my high school. So this
0: Victor, he's his cousin?
1: Yeah, Victor Hayden was his cousin. And he, he lived
0: in in he lived a, out in the desert, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, but at this time, he was yeah. living in the valley. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: How old was he at this time? He was he what was he doing?
1: Well, he was older than I was. He was probably 26 and or so. And you were so. what, 16? Yeah. He, no, he was maybe even only 24 or 5. Yeah. Uh I was 16 yeah. when I met Don Life Talk about a mind-boggling life well, what change. What happened? Where'd, alter- where'd,
0: where'd you go? What was that well, scene? Well, okay, Victor
1: well, went to yeah, my high school. Right. He turned me on to Dylan. Right. Right in high school. The first album, Bob Dylan.
0: Right. 65, 64. Life changing yeah, again. yeah. Whenever.
1: Then he took me to meet Don a few months later at the second annual teen fair at the Hollywood Palladium, uh-huh. where he was really out of place.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Who Don was? Yes. Yeah. Well, what <laughs> was B-Fart,
1: You know, Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band, that first album right
0: genius but sure but was it was that who he was when you met him yeah he Uh. was already
1: captain Fart in 65 so he i met him early 65 so he looked me up and down and victor had already i had already combed i was had a big bouffant and everything and i was trying to be a cheerleader but he he (laughs) convinced i mean i just wanted to comb the rats out of my hair after i met victor so i was looking pretty hip yeah my dad brought me a corduroy jacket and he looked me up and down and said, you're a gas. I yeah. wish there were more people like you. This was huge for <laughs> a 16-year-old girl. Yes. Yeah. For this big, gruff man. Yeah. This tall, imposing dude. with yeah. this. So I went out to find out. Okay, what is a gas?
0: Have to become that. <laughs> what, what is a gas? What
1: is a gas? I'd never heard that term. And did you
0: find out? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, sorta. Victor turned me on to jazz. We, you know, yeah. he took me to a club called Mother Neptune. And at, you are like 17, 16? Yeah, sixteen, seventeen. You're yeah. just
0: wetting you in places. Well, different yeah, different time. Yeah,
1: I guess so. Well, I, yeah. got, I, I soon got fake ID as soon yeah. as I started hanging out on the strip. But yeah, Victor, I give him so much credit for altering my life, and Don
0: yeah yeah so okay so at that meet you meet beefheart and then he's and that's his first record around his God first safe as milk right fantastic kind of weirdo how and wolf yeah uh jams
1: blues yeah yeah rock and blues though man so yeah, good to dance sure. to that right
0: yeah yeah He he was great he became a real character so when does like when does your commitment to the life of rock and roll begin
1: very soon after that, I was I got to Hollywood yeah. from the Valley, which was literally like going from the Midwest to the Moon. Yeah. So from
0: you didn't go from, over there often.
1: I never did. Reseda hmm. was West Valley. It was my little area. It yeah. was I knew that I had my little record store, yeah. the theater where I saw Hard Days Night and all those things. But then, over the hill.
0: It's like right over the hill.
1: Right over the magic, yeah. magic. And I had a car. My daddy bought me a. Fifty nine Chevy Impala convertible yeah. for my sixteenth birthday. Boy, yeah. I wish I had that. Anyway, I yeah. drove that over the hill. Yeah, and it was Oz.
0: Yeah, where'd you start going first? Like what? Was Pandora's going- Box. Yeah,
1: which was the club at Crescent Heights and Sunset. Pandora's Box. Yeah. was torn down because they had to have a three way turn signal. But I really believe it was because the hippies were taking over the strip. There were th- at least Thousand to fifteen hundred hippies up and down the street. Long-haired boys growing their hair out. Girls taking their bras off. No, sixty-five, six is is when I started. started. Yeah, and And that was
0: it. Was really that populated, huh?
1: Yes, it was. It was a revolution. It was a revelation. It was magic. Yeah. It you know we it was un it's you can't describe it.
0: Where'd you park?
1: It was, we w- had to walk a few blocks, yeah. And then I started hitching because it was easier. Right. I would hitch over the hill, Laurel Canyon. Yeah. Where all the rock stars lived. So Pandora's Love, yeah. Buffalo Springfield, yeah. all the cool people, mamas and papas, everybody hung Frank. out. Frank. Yeah, Frank. Yeah. I, I first saw Frank, first saw him. And I always, of course, be- because of Don, yeah. I knew about Zappa. And I he had just moved to town from Frank New York. Frank had- yeah, Frank, yeah. and I saw him at the Lenny Bruce eulogy.
0: Oh, you want? That's to how valley.
1: hip I was at sixteen and still in high school. Where'd they have that? <laughs> He's buried way up in this valley, the the North West Valley, Sun Valley, I think it is.
0: L- Lenny is. Yeah, and uh, and, and we
1: had, there was this big long hippie march up to his gravesite, and and I was uh, I first saw that. guy, Everybody Vito. knew it was happening. Yeah, Who's you know Vito, Vito was. The it's hard to describe him too because these things couldn't happen today. Yeah, he was a actually Rodney Bingenheimer took me to his fifty fourth birthday party in sixty six, and uh, he had a sidekick called Captain Fuck. Can I say that? Sure, Captain Fuck. He had a big F emblazoned on a big red cape he wore, and it was just a bunch of hippie, wild, trippy freaks. Vito was Vito. Yeah. He, he was fifty four years old then yeah ah. and he had come from the beats yeah and he always wanted to be the center of attention He was an amazing artist incredible dancer so what we
0: kind of pa- a painter
1: sculpt uh-huh. sculptor uh-huh and he we started dancing with his troupe. I met all the GTOs my girl group before yeah, yeah. we were even you know we we're just very young teenagers well you know 17.
0: yeah so I have like, that record.
1: You do. I bet you have a big collection of records. I have a few
0: records, yeah. But I, I somehow I got the GTO's record somewhere. I have it. Uh, yeah. Wow, you should and have also me also, sign I have, it. I will. Okay. I also have a. I think I have a record called The Groupies.
1: Yeah, there, there was a band called The Groupies.
0: It was that wasn't. I thought it, it was. And there
1: was a movie called The Groupies it was, with a soundtrack. Yeah, I to, think it was. I thought it? it was
0: just talking. It's not just. It Maybe I don't know. I'd have to. I look. don't know if
1: there's music because I was in that movie. Yeah. But I was seeing Jimmy Page at the time, and I was always pretty secretive. They didn't like to be talked about. You Who,
0: know. or uh, uh, Page uh, and, and any of them. But yeah. the
1: Zeppelin especially were very private people. So. Oh, yeah. So, But I said I would do this movie. I wanted to be in the movie. These people said, oh, we'll film it at your house. So the whole thing was filmed at my house. And they said, we will not use the word groupie if you don't like it. Uh-huh. So, of course, they called the movie groupies. The groupies yeah. Yes.
0: So going back to Vito and the Lenny Bruce eulogy. Yes, so I went to
1: the Lenny Bruce eulogy so word was and on met the street? Vito there and what? hung out with these crazy freaks. You know, I always wore a padded bra. I was so always, you weren't a
0: freak yet. You were just a I was teenager.
1: A, I was a pre-hippie. I just was wet thought I was a hippie. Down. Yeah. yeah. And then I became a flower child at the love and stuff. And then I... Really latched on to the veto scene and Zappa and became a freak. There was quite a, a different distinction between those three be- categories,
0: right, right? Because Frank was sort of anti hippie in a weird way, right?
1: Well, he made fun of everything, oh, but yeah. but he wasn't really anti hippie. He just didn't take drugs, so he thought they were stupid, smoking pot and taking drugs. Oh, and of course, right. he wrote that fantastic song Flower Punk.
0: Yeah, but was so the the Lenny Bruce eulogy was the was sort of the baptism and the freak scene.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a baptism and also uh, the birthday party. Vito's did, 54th birthday did, very close to each other. Did
0: people speak at the Lenny Bruce thing? Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Phil Spector led the the talks and uh. everybody said a few words and I actually have a picture of me sitting there looking yeah. up at Phil Spector when I was 16, pretty cool. And I was already wearing vintage clothes, vintage velvets because a friend of mine's Grandma let us go into her trunk. (laughs) I mean, that was another life changing. Every everything was blowing my mind, and I was this normal, sort of normal, but an only child. Yeah, makes you a little abnormal. Right. Um, In the valley, and I just transformed into this creature.
0: When you hear about like the like, I know that you've certainly seen the arc of time hit a lot of uh, of these dudes, but you know, it didn't end well for Phil. (laughs) <laughs> you no, know, it sure didn't. But like at that time, you, you know, was there any sense that he was sort of a monster Not and a weirdo? No. Yeah. Phil
1: Spector was a kind goofball. We all hung out at Cantor's because yeah. the, the clubs closed at 2 and we'd yeah. all show up at Cantor's because they were all night. You had to have 50 cents so you couldn't go in. You had to buy some soup for this 50 the, cents.
0: This is the mid-60s.
1: Yeah, mid-60s. Well, uh-huh. this is now 66. He would buy me food. He uh-huh. was a very kind fellow you know he wanted the the hippie girls to be there so he'd buy our food he
0: liked he liked to have the girls around
1: yeah yeah he really did he always (laughs) had a full table full of girls Uh and you know it just it it was such a magical situation with all the bands wandering around the strip there was no separation between the hippies the flower kids the freaks and the rock stars and the
0: like in the in it seemed like everyone had sort of access what there was sort of they were out in the streets as well yeah they were they hanging were out in the streets yeah. the
1: riots on the Sunset Strip
0: what were they about
1: they were going to close Pandora's box uh-huh. so they that we decided to protest yeah so we had Don't signs made club. and we yeah. sat cross-legged on Sunset yeah in the street yeah and hun- thousands probably about 1000 1200 uh-huh. kids and the cops came with their batons and started beating us all up but they were going to close Pandora's Box, which was a very cool little all-ages club.
0: This is where the mall was. is now? Kind no,
1: of? it's right now it's a small island. Oh,
0: so it's the, it's, it didn't exist. And it was a big island. Right, I yeah. get it, I yeah. get it. They um, were widening the street. Oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, so when does, like, how do you shift into this lifestyle where, you, because it's hard to, because you know, there's a, an idea of uh, the 60s and how people viewed sex and communal living and free love. and Oh, it was whatnot. so different
1: then. So sure. different.
0: But you know, like you kind of get characterized, or you characterize yourself as somebody who it was sort of your gig, right, to hang out with rock stars.
1: It was. A, I wouldn't call it a gig because I always had to work too right. to pay but for you just, things.
0: When did when did that start? You know, when did you realize like I'm going to be the person that sleeps with rock stars?
1: I never said that to myself. I'm going to sleep <laughs> with rock stars. I wanted them to be my boyfriends. Oh,
0: it was earnest.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, totally earnest. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm all about love. Are you kidding? Oh my god. Oh. I'm still a flower child so, down deep. Well, I it hit be in so all. Those.
0: You, you must have gotten your heart broken over and over again. I did
1: get it broken. Yeah, I was looking for love, looking for love. Yeah. And uh the my there was no groupy word. That word didn't exist when I was doing this stuff. Mhm. So when
0: did it start though? Who was like the first one you fell in love with? Who you you who?
1: Well, you, I was hanging out with Zeppelin. Uh, what year? I was seeing Jimmy. This was sixty-eight.
0: Oh, before they broke big, even yeah, huh? first album. Yeah. is when
1: I was seeing it. Maybe it was early sixty-nine. It was sixty-eight. Well, it's a it's a fun story. Yeah. You know, I was with Cynthia Plastercaster in Chicago she visiting made the her. Dick sculptures. She made the dick. They weren't sculptures. Well, no, they were right actual there. dicks. Yeah,
0: plaster casting of the dicks.
1: So, yep. I went to visit her, and she's on the GTOs album. Our first conversation, Frank taped, which is so great. Oh, that and must
0: be where I'm thinking of. Is that's on the record?
1: Yeah, that's on the, so, uh, the GTOs album. So Permanent now, like, Damage. why,
0: why, like, like in that scene, like she's out there making plaster casts of um, of rock guys' cocks.
1: She had to love the music, or she wouldn't do it.
0: Okay, but like, how, like, who hooks you up with her? How do you know that this is the circle you're you're running in? Frank
1: that... introduced us on the phone. <laughs> Frank did, okay. and we were. Uh, you know, Zappa. fell in love. We were both in love with Noel Redding from the Jimi Hendrix experience. So we really connected on yeah. that. And I went to Chicago to visit her yeah. uh, when 68 was turning to 69. Uh huh. And I got to see a lot of her dicks. They yeah. were pretty amazing, the yeah. Hendrix one especially, <laughs> which she still sells very small amount of replicas right now, if you're she interested. She still got
0: those casts?
1: Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's her life's work. So, oh no, it's real serious work. She's going to go down in history, I believe, as a very important artist. I've always believed that.
0: So you think that, So you can still get a Hendrix cock? If yes, you, okay. for two thousand dollars. Okay, there you go. <laughs>
1: yeah, don't you want one?
0: <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, I'm ordering it now. They're
1: bronzed. <laughs> Are they? Like, yeah. Uh-huh. So when I was visiting her, there, she had a, a big poster of Led Zeppelin on the wall, and I'd never heard of him. Right. This was at sixty eight when yeah. turning to sixty nine. So yeah. she said, "Oh, you got to stay away from those guys. There, yeah. they're really dangerous. Ooh, especially that Jimmy Page. Oh my God, I've heard he has whips on the road." And so I said, "Oh my, oh, of course I'll stay away from them." But he was awfully cute. Uh-huh. So when they did come to town, uh-huh. I, of course I love the music. It's always got the music for that me. First yeah, album. and the second one too. I oh love.
0: yeah, for sure. They're all they're all pretty good.
1: So. He, <laughs> <laughs> So I was at a club called The Experience mm-hmm. which was a short-lived club, a very yeah. very naughty club on Sunset.
0: Why was it naughty?
1: Well, you could pretty much get away with anything in there. I was pretty new to drugs though and I was I'd only slept with a couple of people when this happened. I was pretty green, but Zeppelin walked into the The Experience yeah. and I had heard from one of the BTOs, Boys yeah. Together Outrageously, the boys we danced with, the gay boys, so yeah. colorful, so wonderful and that one of them had gotten a postcard from someone who said Jimmy Page wants Miss Pamela, and it was like, ooh. See, these were the groupie tom-toms. There was no texting, there was no Google, there was no internet, there was nothing. But I still heard that Jimmy Page wanted me. So that was.
0: And it was a smaller town then too, right? So like people who were on the scene, I mean, word could travel pretty quickly because it was not a huge scene. Right.
1: Yes, it wasn't that big. No. Yeah. People tend to think that oh everybody was a hippie in the sixties. No, it was a real small group of of free spirited, free thinking yeah. weirdos. But that night at the experience The Experience. Where was, was that called? T H E E. The Experience. Sunset and Stanley, I think it was. Rodney Bingenheimer's club opened close to there uh-huh. later. But anyway, it was past a note. By their roadie, Richard Cole. Yeah. Very notorious roadie. Uh huh. One of the, probably the most notorious roadie ever. Anyway, he passed me a note saying, Jimmy wants to meet you at room 609, whatever, uh, after the show. At the Hyatt? At the Hyatt, of course.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) The riot house. Yeah. And I didn't go because I had heard he was, you know, difficult and, you know, with the whips and Mm. all that stuff. So he somehow got a hold of my phone number. You know people ask me, how did you meet these guys? Oh, did you have to what did you have to do?
0: Yeah.
1: Nothing. Because we were the GTOs were already kind of renowned crazy girls. Yeah. Half naked, wild dancing freaky girls. Yeah. You right?
0: were one of them. And we had our album. Yeah, yeah the
1: GTOs girls together outrageously. Yeah. Frank recorded us. At this point though, the record wasn't out yet or anything. We were just everyone knew just who notorious. we were. Yes. Exactly. And
0: he found your phone number. Does that mean, where were you living? at Your folks? No, I huh. had just
1: moved into my own apartment.
0: Yeah, in and Hollywood.
1: He, yeah, in Hollywood, West Hollywood. Yeah. And he called me, and he coerced me, and he sweet-talked me, uh-huh. and that accent, and those rosebud lips, and all that stuff. So he invited me to a show uh-huh. out in Long Beach. So Michelle Overman, my dear friend at the time, was already seeing Robert Plant. Uh-huh. So she said, oh, come on, just see the show. Yeah. yeah. So, of course... <laughs> That's all it took. Was yeah. Seeing the show, yeah. How so was we that made show? out and had How all these this passion. Incredible.
0: Yeah, Long Beach. Well, no where one was it had at? ever like the...
1: seen the arena, Long oh, Beach yeah. Arena. Yeah. So then Jimmy and I became an item after that.
0: So you made out with Jimmy after the show, and then he became an item.
1: Well, he he had to woo me a little bit. Yeah. Because I had only like I think he was the fourth person I slept with.
0: Fourth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, was in he those the first days, rock guy? Oh, God, no. They were all, the first three were bass players.
0: Bass players. So now you're moving (laughs) up to the guitar player. Got a little confidence.
1: (laughs) It was Nick St. Nicholas, who I was really in love with, bass player in Steppenwolf, and then Noel Redding. Yeah. no, Yeah, Noel Redding, and then Chris Hillman of the Birds, who was my true, true, true love off and on for decades in my life. Hillman? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this oh so those are the first three. Yeah. And then you stepped up to the guitars.
1: Then it was Jimmy Page and then it was Mick Jagger. Oh yeah. So I guess you can see the elevation, right? Right. But it, now what now
0: when you have a relationship with a guy like Jimmy at that time, I mean what is that? Do you find are they because like there's a lot of talk about inspiration, about muses, about this Of and course,
1: that. we were all muses, yeah. all of us girls.
0: You think that you felt that?
1: Yes. I mean, at the time, I was just having fun. Yeah. You know, you reflect later. Yeah, of course, we were really inspiring these people. Roberts told me going to California. Is about me and a couple of other L.A. girls, you know. Yeah. And, yes, they in fact, Zeppelin would base themselves in California in L.A. at the Hyatt House, rent the whole sixth floor, and fly out to everywhere else. Their wives always thought they were in Idaho somewhere. Well, there was only one wife. Yeah. Robert was married. Oh, no, wait. There was only one single one. Ro- uh, Jimmy was single.
0: Right. They were all married. Right. Yeah. Everybody
1: got married so young in England then. And-
0: I guess so. I think he's, isn't Robert still married? I don't know. I mean, I know he Absolutely got, not. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's a guy you stay in touch with?
1: I did for many, many years, decades. Whenever he came to town, he'd come over, we'd have tea, we'd go to dinner. I went to all his shows and then he just stopped talking to me about four years ago. Huh. Broke my heart. Oh, that's too bad. And I do believe it's because he has a young girlfriend. They get young, young girlfriends. He and Jimmy have very young girlfriends right now. Yeah. And I think the girls don't want to know about the past, you know. And he doesn't want to think about it either with the new young girlfriend. So, oh
0: yeah, that even though
1: Robert and I never actually slept together, we talked about it for sure. years, but we didn't do it.
0: Were these relationships if they weren't specifically just sexual? Like, did you see these guys struggle through stuff? I mean, were you? Oh, uh, of
1: course, I I went on the road with them. Mm. So, so. I from a groupie, I went to a super groupie, which were girls who were taken on the road uh-huh. because these guys had girls in every port. You know, I'm a traveling man. Yeah, remember that song sure. by Rick Nelson? Yeah. So they had girls everywhere. It was a it was a toy store. The world was a toy store for these guys, and the time was ripe. No one was getting killed by having sex. Right, you know, it was it was a beautiful, free spirited, free loving time. No one was using each other. You know. Uh, when my book came out, I'm with the band. My first book, Yeah. I had no idea how it would be received. You yeah. never know when you're writing a book what's if anyone's even going to read it. Yeah, it became a bestseller, which is great, and I think I opened the door for a lot of other quotes of nobodies to write their memoir. Yeah, but at the time, I was considered to be a submissive slut when that mm. book came out
0: By because who? the
1: word groupie was used. Oh.
0: Oh, oh! So who 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 gave you that name? Who gave you a submissive sweat? Well, who called? Oh, you
1: God! That? Everybody, the press. I mean, it got good reviews for the writing and stuff. Yeah. But when I would go on talk shows, people were just insulted. The audience members would stand up and just call me names and yeah. You know, like was, you were a
0: whore or a swat yeah, Yes,
1: submissive to rock stars, which was the absolute antithesis of what was really going on they
0: don't understand the egos of rock stars no
1: we we were equals (laughs) with these people i took rod stewart shopping to for his first freaking feather boa you know
0: how you did that
1: oh yeah all that we dressed alice cooper and put their makeup on them i mean we were very important girls the gtos you define
0: the the culture of that era of rock
1: We actually did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why
0: they needed the? the, Because I just I picture. Look, you know, these guys are performers. People know their records. A lot of times, people don't realize that. You know, it takes weeks, maybe months, to pull a record together. The studio hours and all that. And when you're on tour, you're on on the stage for like two or three hours on
1: the road, though, right? I know it's right. They get there two and a half hours. Zeppelin's created those long, you know, gigs. Yeah, but yeah, and then the rest of the time they're staring at the four walls in the hotel room, worn for the girls. Yeah. I was seeing these guys pre-bus. There were no tour buses, and, and like,
0: but like, what was? Uh, and there were th-
1: the bands were huge, so they didn't have to have tour buses.
0: Did you ever have to deal with any of these guys having like you know sort of like crisis of identity or insecurity or breakdowns or Keith Moon? Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. yeah. Did Keith
1: you- Moon was one of my main squeezes.
0: Really, I could Early soothe on?
1: him. Uh, I would no middle. I would say his, the middle of his career was a seventy. 70- I met him on the set of 200 Motels. He played the nun. The
0: Zappa's movie. Yes, Zappa's
1: movie, and we became friendly because I was seeing someone else at that time. But then when I was single and he came to town, well, I wasn't quite single, but he came to town and we really connected. Yeah, we always liked each other, and and whenever he came to town, I was his LA girl. Yeah, and it was a very wild ride because now he would be, you know, considered bipolar. Right. Yeah, he and was a manic a- guy.
0: <laughs> right, but it was fun.
1: Oh, it was. It was mostly fun. But yeah. you ask me were there crises yeah. and all. Yes, he he could not hide his misery. Yeah, uh-huh. he couldn't hide it when he was he, down. Yeah, yeah, he would he would pretend to be other people. We cross dressed a lot. Yeah. And, and when one of the shows I did, I helped him do his K Rock uh, big spectacular. L.A. show yeah. featuring a lot of people. He was the host. Yeah. And I helped him get his clothes. We'd always went, we'd go to Western Costume so he could... Be other people, mm. you know. He, he really committed. He escaped to that. himself, he though. To he was escaping people. himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's another
0: question, I guess. And just in light of like the the reputation of some of these guys, not in terms of sex, but in terms of drugs and stuff. I mean, it, it must have been somewhat menacing. I mean, you're painting a pretty, uh, you know, starry picture about it, and it, it is the romantic idea that I want to have. I, I'm a big rock and roll guy, but I have to assume that sometimes the drugs got scary.
1: Well, for me, I was not an addict.
0: No, but being around it.
1: Oh, yeah. I was around it. But early days, Jimmy Page was not doing drugs. Yeah. He was primping in the mirror. Uh Uh-huh. You know, right. I mean, I knew them all the way through their career, and I saw him really slide down into all kinds of drugs, and it was worrisome to watch. But look at him now. Yeah, he's this fine gentleman.
0: Sure, you no, know, yeah. If they survive and <laughs> yeah. they clean up yes. a little bit, they they usually do. a right.
1: lot of them didn't survive, and I lost a lot of friends, mm. of course. So that there's obviously a lot of darkness involved, and it usually and mostly involved drugs. Yeah yeah but I was not addictive It was such a blessing I got my mom's side of the genetics yeah and and I, and I tried good. everything I yeah. did the stuff with them yeah but i I stopped when they went left town yeah. or, you know it wasn't like I had to keep doing copes so or whatever it
0: was when you know that you're like you know the l a girl uh you, you know how does that kind of fact how does that play into the idea that you have a you, you know that you you know, that you have a relationship. I mean, it's Well, we had
1: but... a relationship. Totally. It was very intimate. It was very warm. It was
0: just, it was just totally loving.
1: well, you know, I'd see other people
0: too. Sure. Yeah. I was
1: single, yeah. you know, when I was seeing Keith Moon, Waylon Jennings and, um, Waylon too. huh? And Mick. Oh, so I was seeing these people. Yeah. Well, with Mick and Jimmy, and I was a bit of a triangle because Mick would, when I finally met him yeah. and I was, uh, dancing with Miss Mercy to the Flying Burrito Brothers. Yeah. At the corral. Yeah. A tiny little club What's in Chapanga. She was we were all Miss oh. Tiny Tim when he met all us girls, called us Miss Pamela, Miss Mercy, Miss Sparky, and all that.
0: How was Tiny Tim? Nice guy?
1: Oh, he was the best. He <laughs> yeah. was the, he was the real thing. Boy, talk real about a t- lunatic. Yeah. yeah. But sweet, yeah. sweet, sweet, sweet. Quite a story there. But uh we were Miss Mercy and I were dancing uh to the Flying Breeder Brothers, yeah. my favorite band of all time. Really? People ask me, that's what it is. And the stones all walked in this tiny little dump because Graham Parsons, was hanging Keith out with Richards, Keith were, Richards into, were very, yeah. really close. It was a, a bromance before the word existed. But do you think
0: that Keith took him down? Do you think that Keith?
1: No, Graham took himself down. Oh, yeah. Terrible addict, yeah. Oh, really? And he had a lot of money
0: because he was a trust fund kid. He was.
1: Yeah. So every year he'd pick up $333,000 down in Florida. Yeah. Which now how much would that be?
0: Yeah, a lot. A yeah. lot.
1: And it was gone by the end of that year cuz he very generous. Yeah. He paid all the rents of the bands, he bought everyone drugs and but uh, anyway, that's another story. Oh, uh,
0: so oh uh, yeah, sort of a sad story. Huh? Yeah,
1: it's a real sad story. I miss him all mm-hmm. the time. But uh we we We're Mick came on to the yeah. dance floor cuz he'd met Mercy in San Francisco yeah. and he said who is your beautiful friend, you know? So then I started uh, seeing Mick, but I was already in love with Jimmy Page, and he was on the road. And so so for several weeks, the Stones were in town recording, I would go visit Mick, and I loved Mick Taylor, too. We became really good friends. And Mercy and I would go hang out with Mick and Keith. Mick Taylor
0: seems like a sweet guy.
1: The best. My favorite guitar player.
0: He's great, yeah. Him and Hendrix. Uh Uh-huh.
1: So, but Mick kept, you know, giving me, trying so hard. I did make out with him, and I did let him put hickeys all over my legs. But I wouldn't sleep with him because I would say, you have to be true to Jimmy. Oh, really? And Mick kept saying, come on. He's not being true to you. Sorry. Yeah. It's just not happening. And I believed Jimmy. I was very naive. I still am in some ways. Uh-huh. And But anyway, when I found out that he was not being true to me on the road, I said, fuck it, and I slept with Mick.
0: Now, when you're sleeping, like, like can you – uh, Like, uh, your experience sexually with all these different rock gods, I mean, are some better than others?
1: I don't ever answer that question. I do rock and roll tours
0: Uh of
1: Hollywood, and some people want to know how big someone was or who was the best, who was the best. I mean, but like, you
0: know, I guess- And I
1: don't compare. I never compared. For me, when I was with these people, I was so thrilled. It was such a heightened experience. Sure that I didn't compare one to another. You didn't think another. about it. Yeah, because I didn't think of it all, in that way.
0: You're It was all electric anyway.
1: Yes, it was. It was. It was.
0: <laughs> there was a, Like there was a lot <laughs> happening beyond the sex. You were like, you know, you were there. I was there thrilled. I
1: remember the first time I was with Mick, I was looking up and I could not even think about anything below the waist. I was yeah. looking at his face going, oh my God, this is finally happening.
0: Yeah, hypnotize. Because
1: I was such a huge fan so early, you know. But then huh. I saw him off and on for a, a while. So yeah. I was, and when I went to England, I spent but, a lot of quality time with him.
0: But when you see them, like, is it like one of those things like uh, like do you, do you get those calls where you're like when it's sort of like you don't even know they're in town and you get a call at like 11 at night? Like, what's up? <laughs> is it, you, were you around? Is some of it like that? We always
1: knew they were in town. Okay, right. Yeah, the groupie Tom Toms. Yeah. And we'd expect them, and I would get notes and letters. I have letters from so many of these people. We used to write letters back then. Really? People don't realize it was just a relationship. It wasn't like, I mean, of course, there were groupies, one-night stands, one-hour stand, 10-minute yeah. stands. Sure. That was not me.
0: Right. You guys, the the crew of you out here had a, sort of a, you, you, there, it seemed like there was sort of a, a community of people. Support and 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 also that you had these reputations of almost uh, I wouldn't say it's maternal, but there was something nurturing about the whole yes, trip. Yes, we were
1: totally nurturing. Yeah. I sewed buttons on their shirts. I ironed their shirts. I took them shopping. Yeah, I brought them food. We, you know, we would. It was it was a real. People think of you know, a hotel room or what. It was much more than that. It was it was it was the real thing. It was it a yeah,
0: good time. And you, you absolutely you, you got and to I got my heart
1: broken too. Who broke it? Jimmy Page.
0: Yeah.
1: But Mick, Waylon Jennings, Keith, these were people that I knew I wasn't going to marry. I was going to have fun. You could have fun in those days and have sex with people and not guilt trip yourself. I mean, I did for a little while because I'm a Jesus girl. So I have him tattooed on my back along with Elvis. Yeah, But I, Mm. you know, for a while I questioned the morality of what I was doing. And I looked through the Bible, and I tried to find somewhere where it said fornication sucks yeah. or whatever. I yeah. couldn't find it. Yeah, I couldn't think there's
0: also it. the weight of you know w- how women are supposed to fit into yeah, the whole trip.
1: Totally. And, and we yeah. were coming out of the 50s yeah. and had to express ourselves as we were the early feminists, yeah. of course, only we were not perceived that way. Yeah. We were perceived, like I said, as submissive sluts. To these rock gods, you know, but it was the opposite. We were doing what we wanted to do, yeah, going think, after what we wanted.
0: I think that's uh, yeah. I think that's changing. I I, I feel like that because of culture now, for different reasons. It sort of has to do with uh, empowerment and you know too much porn and a lot of different things. It just it does seem that 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 women are more able. Um, and I'm generalizing to kind of fuck like dudes. <laughs> uh, a, a little more, you know, just for fun and to walk I, away I from hope it. I
1: that's coming yeah. back. You think it's coming back?
0: I do think it's coming back a little bit, that there's a demystification around sex and, and the expectations uh, are not all loaded up uh, like they used to be.
1: Well, when I had to go on Oprah mm. and Geraldo and yeah. shows like that, it was the late 80s and everyone was afraid of AIDS. And sure. And that... Colored so much of what my story and the stories I was told. Oh, because book. of the timing. Yes, because of the time. Well, I mean,
0: back in the day, there was like it. The, I, when I've spoke to people of of that era who were out there fucking, I mean, VD was sort of common. Like you got it, you dealt with it, and you. It moved was no on. big deal. I right. only got
1: it one time, and it was not. From a rock star.
0: Uh-huh. right? Uh huh. So people just
1: a, think it was just a tawdry, right. wicked, t- it wasn't like that. Yeah. And maybe for some people it was, not for me or the yeah. people I knew.
0: It was around.
1: It was around. Yeah. Oh, people were having orgies. I had plenty of people trying to get me involved in three ways and four ways in the orgies, but I was not into that. I'm very much a one-on-one.
0: Well, what was that scene at that place, the experience that you said was so weird? Was that like an orgy trip?
1: It was. There was one night uh, when Zeppelin were there yeah. and- Richard Cole. It was always the roadies with them, with the fish and all the things you hear about them. It was never the band. The fish. Well, you know the mud shark story.
0: I don't tell oh. it to me. Well, no. <laughs>
1: what? I was not there. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. But there were stories about the, in Seattle you could fish off of a off of your balcony yeah. at the hotel where they stayed. Right. And they would use these fish on these girls.
0: Use them. Oh, okay. Use your imagination, yeah, right. okay? Yeah.
1: And, uh, and it wasn't just Zeppelin doing stuff like that, but these were the, the kind of girls who just would s- go s- anything to be with these guys, uh-huh. but it was not
0: but those, me. The, no, I get it, but like knowing that those guys were those guys, it didn't- it,
1: Okay, the, uh, I've got to go back. It was not the band.
0: No, the it's only the person okay.
1: in the band who participated yeah. in that stuff yeah. was Bonzo. Uh The drummer and he only when he was completely bombed out of his mind. Yeah. Right. Right. And Robert one time was he would be bait. He would pretend he was going to somehow get involved and then leave. They never got involved in that stuff, uh-huh. but the roadies all did, yeah. and John Bonham, if he was drunk enough, right. So don't think it was Jimmy or Robert. No, I mean or I'm certainly not, thinking... not John Paul Jones. Right. Well, I mean, just
0: like there's this sort of like weird kind of understanding where you have you have a genuine relationship with these guys, and it's nice, and you have there you feel a certain amount of respect, but you know that they're respect. out there being monsters.
1: Well, like I said, <laughs> yeah. wasn't the actual guys. Right. And I loved Bonzo, but he was not my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was married. Yeah. yeah. You know. Sure. But I was treated like a queen.
0: Yeah.
1: They took me to see Elvis in Vegas. Sat in the front row. Guys? Yeah, Jimmy and Robert sat right in between them, yeah. seeing Elvis. How was that? In the black leather stuff. Oh,
0: did you go meet him? Oh, my what? God.
1: No, I was so angry. And I, I think he was afraid I was going to run off with Elvis because Red West came up because yeah. he knew I was such a fan. Yeah. Red West came up behind after the show and said, Would you want to meet Elvis? And I can still see it, like those foot. He turned around and said, Oh, no, thank you. Wow. And Robert and I looked at each other like, what is he saying?
0: Red, the king of the roadies.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Red West, absolutely.
0: (laughs) I'm curious about Tiny Tim. You said that's sort of a weird story.
1: Well, it's a fun story because he obviously had OCD before Uh anyone knew it was such a thing. So Miss Lucy had met, one of the GTOs had met him in New York, and she was already Miss Lucy. She had the miss because they'd met in New York. And she took the rest of us to meet him. Sunset Marquee when he came to visit his first gig out here, actually. From London?
0: Where was he from? New York. Oh, he's from New York. So I don't know where, I just remember him when I was a kid. I remember having, kind of being fascinated with him, and he seemed like an oddball.
1: Very much Almost so. Almost like
0: Andy Kaufman.
1: Yeah, very much like that. So we, were, we went to visit him, and she knocked on the door, and she said, the GTOs are here. And he went, oh, oh, oh wait a minute, Miss Lucy. Oh, just a minute. You know, he was really like that. Well, so he had to take a shower. He said, "Let me t- I have to take a shower first. So we waited in the hall. Then he opened it up, freshly showered. Mm. We went in to visit him, and we sat around and he was so petrified with all these girls that he was about to faint. And she huh. fanned him with a fan.
0: Was he like a, a was he a kind of a um, was he I I don't mm-hmm. What was he? It was almost he was bordering on being um, a, a drag uh, act. He
1: was sort of. He wore lipstick and eye makeup that no one and was doing that. he sang in a
0: falsetto. He, sang in a, was... he
1: spoke in a falsetto, too. Interesting. And then we he kept having to take showers. Every 20 <laughs> minutes, he, oh, I have to take a shower. Oh and God. he'd come back. But we spent the whole day there with him. That's and bizarre. at one point, yeah. he he said, I have a secret. I want to show you something. And he took us into this tiny little kitchen Sunset Marquee, and he pulled out frozen hockey pucks out of the freezer yeah. and a, puck, a hockey stick from behind the fridge, yeah. and we played hockey on that little floor, and he loved that. He thought that was the most fun <laughs> Tiny ever. Tiny Tim. Yeah. Okay. And then he said, here's my real secret, and he opened the drawer, and under the silverware he had hidden all these candy bars. Huh. Because his, his, my manager thinks I'm fat, but I'm just pleasingly plump.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I
1: remember these quotes because I wrote them in my diary. I kept diaries for the whole thing. Yeah. My whole life. Back yeah. Then.
0: And you still got them, right?
1: Yes. Oh, I still have. They should be in the Smithsonian.
0: What about Jim Morrison?
1: Well, I knew him. Yeah. Mm hmm. hmm. I made out with him. Yeah. Rolled around with him.
0: Yeah. And, but you saw the doors back in the day?
1: Oh, yeah. Plenty. They were the house band at the whiskey, which was my home away from home.
0: And how was it when you saw them did, when they first started coming around? Did you realize like this? There's nothing like this.
1: I had never, of course, never seen anything <laughs> like it. Never yeah. saw anything. Jim already, even before the first album came out, yeah. he was groaning and moaning and rolling around on the floor and laying flat on his back and singing. I, we had never seen anything like that. Yeah, and and just sexy. Good yeah. God. And, of course, I had to f- at least get my hands on him a little bit, you know. But I was so young then. I was uh, That was when I was super young. And uh, So
0: making out was enough in a lot of cases.
1: Oh, yes. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, yeah. They did not. There was no demands made on us girls from these guys in the yeah. mid to, you know, mid-60s to the 67, 8. It was like, yeah, let's just have fun. Let's yeah. make out. I was very good at oral sex, which was something I... Enjoyed doing. Yeah. I wanted to show my respect and love for their music, and that's how I did it. But I wanted to hang on to my virginity until <laughs> I was in love. You think that's funny, huh?
0: No, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I don't think it's funny. I, I It's just, it, it's one of those things where, like, my brain always goes to, well, I'm sure they enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they, they did. They must have. And been you know, right? when
1: Bill Clinton said, "I did not have sex with that woman," yeah. I knew just what he was talking about. Yeah. She just gave him head. That's yeah. all. Yeah. That is not full sex at sure, all.
0: Sure, it's really just flirting up until intercourse. It's foreplay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Well, so now as you got older, when did you... You got married.
1: I married Michael DeBar. I got my Prince Rock and Roll Charming. We were together 14 years and Mm. we're best friends to this day. Oh, that's nice. We have a son, Nick. He's just turned 40. It's unbelievable. Um and uh yes, I we had a rock and roll life. That's what my second book's about. Yeah. I'm writing my sixth book now. What's this one about? I can't talk about that one. Actually there's a seventh book too, which is Sex, God, and Rock and Roll. It's my spiritual journey. Because they, they're God, all and rock along and roll. alongside Where each other. Where do you other.
0: stand with God these days?
1: Uh wow. I think you're God and I'm God. Mm. And we're all God. We're all God. And we have to remember that or we're fucked.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my philosophy. It's in all of us. Yes. Yeah. Totally.
1: And this microphone and this sure. table. And
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've uh, detached yourself from any organized type.
1: Well, of... I still love Jesus because he was my main man. <laughs> you do? He, yeah, well, he didn't do anything wrong. It's not his fault that his name has been blasphemed for centuries. No, right? No,
0: he took the hit for everybody. I know. God
1: yeah. love him. No, and, and he was a hippie boy, and Mary Magdalene was his muse. And you know, I'm a big Jesus lover.
0: Yeah. So you just but integrated that, but not religious, that. not right, church, right. Or, yeah. But you've integrated it all into your spiritual totally,
1: kind of... and it's the story of my. I was born again at eight years old, and it's my whole story through all the amazing yeah, yoga, Krishnamurti, all the things. I, it's a side of me most people don't know.
0: But you did that. You were a searcher all the, all the way, way through? through,
1: all the way through.
0: Like you, you did you do or were you, well? It's lucky you didn't like get caught up with Manson or something.
1: Well, he was a fraud. Yeah. I never met him, but I knew people who knew him, and he was just a fraud. He was like Huckster, almost yeah. like Vito, only Vito wasn't that evil. But, you know, he he wanted to be the center of attention. He found out how to do it was yeah. to grow your hair out. Yeah, and, and, and there figure was free out some love. spiritual yeah, things. Yeah, well, there was some free, there was very little spiritual thing. It was well, he figured
0: out a racket. Yeah, yeah. like the language of a uh, spiritual leader. Yes, yeah,
1: like a leader. But you never
0: ended up there at a party or anywhere? Never. Yeah.
1: No. Uh uh-uh. uh. But that was, a, that was a bring down. Oh, oh so yeah. That that brought down the the, the hippie movement, the love ins, and all those things. It was like way too real.
0: Yeah. It, so, oh, it was a wake up call. Yeah, or it was. And Did Altamont happened around oh. the same time.
1: I was with the Stones at Altamont. Talk Get about. Get the fuck
0: out of here. You were?
1: Yes. Talk about not really wanting to be there.
0: <laughs> like, I got this sense that, you know, because of the bad drugs that were going around and just the intensity of. The, the nervousness of the acts that you know you could definitely feel that things weren't going right through the show.
1: Well, I left before they came on. That's how bad the vibe was. So yes. right.
0: Because yeah. like uh, Grill Marcus said that, you know, when they went back up on stage and they knew that they were in trouble. Like they were, that they had never played so intensely well. Yeah, yeah. That like you know they when they when the guy went down and they and the shit got out of control, but the Stones p- kept playing. Yeah, yeah. That you know they were playing to save their asses in a way.
1: Yes, well, it's amazing they didn't leave the stage. I mean, it's really I give them a lot of credit. But afterwards, Oof. I walked into this room, this hotel room. They were all in there, just them. In San Francisco. In San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, it was them, a couple roadies, and Michelle Phillips was there, and me. And I, I walked in, and the vibe was so. And you know when I called, Mick said, "Did yeah. you hear what happened?" And I said, "No." He said, "Just com- come up, come up to the hood. right." Because yeah. I was seeing him. Then. I right. was seeing him then. So, so then I found out what happened. They were all sitting around talking about it. Mick was saying, "I'm not going to do this anymore. I've had it. I'm finished." You know, was what that. The- performing Perform, live performance yes it was a heavy scene well they
0: hadn't been to the states in 66 since you saw them the first or the second oh they uh, hadn't oh right wow. and, and it was sort of I like even now that. they had to make this transition into hippie land so what yeah, had happened yeah. was you know they had aligned themselves with the dead a little bit and the idea yeah. was first to be at golden gate park mm-hmm. but all that stuff fell through for a lot of different reasons right but mick wanted to get they, they he was doing a movie with the with the pennybacker, right? But it was great movie. But Scary. it was originally supposed to be a pro Stones yes, documentary, yes, of course, right? Doing a
1: good thing for the fans, yeah.
0: And uh, and it just got out of hand. And 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 the book sort of hangs it on Mick's insistence to do the show, anyways, knowing that mm. that, that place was
1: well. He didn't want to let the fans down, and that was real because Mercy and I were hanging out with them and she does tarot cards yeah. and she read their cards one night in yeah. front of the fireplace and she said it ended with the tower and she said are you guys doing something that's kind of secretive or, yeah. that you know and, and Keith said yeah we're doing this free show yeah. and she said i don't think you should do it that's how i mean it was and they both said no it's too late it's already all planned it's a, yeah, okay. i mean you
0: know the plan was different uh,
1: it was so awful there it was so terrible. I I left right after the Burrito Brothers played. More Most people, people died there. More played. like
0: the one guy got stabbed, but a yeah. couple of people got killed in a car, and a couple. Yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah, man. So the Burrito Brothers, like, yeah, he was a pretty beautiful guy, huh? Graham. Yes,
1: Graham was uh, another life changing person. Yeah. He sat me down one night, me and Mercy, actually, and yeah. played us uh, George Jones, Waylon Jennings. Oh, who yeah. I went after Merle Haggard, yeah. Willie. All of them. He's made us listen. He would carry that that little portable record player around and make people listen the to country this because I never would have. Yeah, I saw George Jones. He had this corny crew cut and those stupid clothes, which of course I love yeah. now, and I wouldn't have considered it. Great voice, but he he made us. Yeah, and now I've been a country fan, real country. I think he forever. did that.
0: About, I think he did that for rock.
1: Yeah, like I, I he think sure he sure did. Like
0: he integrated it, man. He,
1: you know, country honk and send me no dead eagles flowers without and Graham. All. Absolutely, he, and he's not in the fucking Hall of Fame. Excuse my French. I don't understand that. It's so lame. Yeah. So, how is
0: your life now? Good.
1: It's great. I teach women's writing workshops all over the country. You get a good turnout. I'm leaving out? tomorrow. Yeah. Um. For Fairmount, Indiana, because I'm a James Dean nut. He's also tattooed on me. Uh-huh. Uh I love Rebels. Yeah. And I teach there, and I teach Chicago, New York, uh, Nashville, Chicago. And, I mean, so many places. And how,
0: like, what is it like? London. do you, you, what, you rent a space and people come? No, I teach in a,
1: in a student's home. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all very intimate and it's memoir. Uh huh. Women want to write about themselves, yeah. you know? It's a very cathartic experience and just best friends are made so much has happened that i didn't expect Uh i have made best friends out of it and they fall in love with each other it's just Uh, magical stuff
0: yeah and And i do the rock tours what are those exactly
1: i take it's i'm with the band rock tour based around my first book i take people in a van i have a great driver named kip brown who's also a musician So is your
0: business you own the van
1: Oh, no. Oh. No, I'm still fairly a hand to mouth rock girl. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> Yeah. But I take them all around and show them all, where, I, where all these things happen to me. Every six weeks, I take about a oh, dozen people oh, yeah. around Hollywood, Laurel Canyon. Uh, I go all the way to Century City where my favorite Keith Moon story happened. Oh yeah, and Which show, one's show. Uh... Well, it's pretty incredible. Okay. He, uh, it was one of his more innocent pranks. Yeah. But um, we we had to stay in the Century Plaza because he was kicked out of every single hotel in Hollywood
0: <laughs> for breaking things. And
1: uh, yeah, for well, many, f- way yeah. worse than that. Yeah. So he, we went to Western Costume first with Dougal, his uh-huh. his guy, and he rented a long red velvet cloak. Yeah. Trimmed in ermine and we went to the Century Plaza Hotel where all yeah. the presidents stay. Yeah. He'd never tried that one. And we pretended, he pretended he was a count from some non-existent country, yeah. and they believed us. In those days, They made up a country, yeah. and we stayed there for two weeks. So one afternoon, he said, here, stand out on the balcony. I'm going to show you something. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And I stood on the balcony. And there he was hustling across the street. He was like a little gnome anyway. And he had a big, giant box of Tide in his hands. And he dumped it into the fountain across the street. (laughs) This huge fountain. The Century City Fountain. And, of course, the bubbles went a block. Two blocks in the air, rolled down all the streets, stopped all oh, the traffic. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he laughed. He was so gleeful. Yeah. Because he got away with that uh, prank, and it was kind of for him a pretty clean prank. Yeah, it seems literally,
0: relatively innocent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure
1: the people trying to get to their meetings uh, didn't think so. Right,
0: but, right. But that but it was a blast. Kind of yeah. So you show people that place. And did you ever get into trouble with the wives of any of these dudes or girlfriends?
1: I only had one. Married, married guy. guy, and that was Waylon Jennings. And in those days, yeah. you did not know they were married, they right. took off their ring, uh, that's all it took. Yeah, so I didn't know Waylon right. Jennings was married. How would I know that? Yeah, and he had just married Jesse Coulter, he was a naughty man. Uh, <laughs> but boy, what a trip that was! Yeah, that was Why? because he was out of my element.
0: Like the country thing,
1: he was a big, but that was qu- he qu- big quiff,
0: yeah. What do you he was mean? not a
1: long haired guy at the right, time, right he wasn't shaggy, right he was not an outlaw yet, yeah, but he really was, of yeah. course, and he had these black leather wrist b- bands and this squint and cigarette hang out of yeah. him but i was I loved his music so much, I wanted to get to know him, yeah, he's great, so I went to a session after seeing him play and throwing flowers at his feet in my underwear, yeah, you know,
0: yeah, it's quite a story, the, the, but big sales pitch, huh yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it worked, okay? Yeah. So he came over, and I opened the door at 5 a.m. one morning, and there he was, and I went, oh, boy, am I in for it. Yeah. But it was great. He yeah. was sweet and gentle and lovely and wild, of course. And the next morning, he wandered around my my little living room looking at the long-haired boys on the wall, and he was, do you really like all this long hair and everything? Yeah. And I said, of course. Oh, yeah, we love to rub our, run our hands through it. Uh-huh. and all. Anyway, he grew his hair out, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I talked to his kid. His kid's are. Right.
1: Oh, I love Shooter. Oh, yeah. 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 He told good? me Waylon was still talking about me right before he died, so Come that on. made me feel oh, good.
0: Oh, you made an impression.
1: Yeah, of yeah. course. I always made an impression. That's good. I hope I still do.
0: I, 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 <laughs>
1: this,
0: this is very memorable for me, Pamela.
1: <laughs> okay, good. I'm going to tell you the best day of my life, though, and I'll make it brief. That's all right. It was Bob Dylan's 50th birthday party. I got to meet all the Wilburys and just hang out with Bob and yeah. George and everything. I was beside myself. And at one point, George Harrison leaned over and said, have you read the book, Bob? And Bob said, not not yet. And he said, I read it, and I'm not in it, unfortunately.
0: Your book. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. with the band.
1: Yeah. Then he introduced me to his mechanic who was sitting next to him, and he said, he works with engines the way you and I work with words. Ah. George freaking Harrison. Then I did give Dylan the book for his birthday. I saw him at a gig. That's when he let people backstage. Yeah. And he said, "I read your book cover to cover, and you're a good writer."
0: Oh, there you go!
1: Isn't that wonderful? Hell yeah, it's yeah. wonderful.
0: But you did, that was the first time he met him at a party. I could have died. Then. Yeah, I bet.
1: No, I met him a little bit before that. He was dating a girlfriend of mine, and uh, he was it was one of his very rare social times. He came to a couple parties. How I was, old, What age was he? He did was 20. just turning fifty. Oh, okay. That's when the hoodie yeah, thing yeah. and all. that. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: and he, yeah, he's character. Right? I never
1: miss him play. Never.
0: No, you always I've go. St- I saw
1: him in 65. I walked down to the front of the stage. I couldn't, it was like I was in a trance. Yeah. No one was going to keep me from Bob. And I was the only person who walked down there and yeah. they did not make me go back to my seat.
0: And you just stood there?
1: Yeah. For the whole show.
0: Pretty mesmerizing dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you seen him so. recently? How's he doing?
1: Uh, he's great. Yeah. I mean, I see the, I don't, I don't know him. Right. But you go you to know, the know, shows. I go to the shows. Absolutely. I never yeah. miss him.
0: That's great. He's still a groupie.
1: Uh, ah, absolutely! My, you got to come see my license plate. That's what it says. Okay, I'll come. <laughs> Thanks for talking to me, Pam. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Yep.
0: There you go. A little slice of history. Um, look, folks, I forgot to mention that uh, I was cast in the Aretha Franklin biopic called Respect. Maybe I should talk about that uh, next show. I'm going to play Jerry Wexler uh, uh, alongside Jennifer Hudson. So, yeah, that's happening. And now I'm going to play some straight guitar, old school. Look, I've been watching that country, Doc, and uh, I'm not going to be ashamed of three chords anymore for my life. Three chords for life, motherfuckers. Maybe throw another one in for a transition and a different tone. Three chords for fucking life. This is just a Stratocaster turned all the way up, on the lead position into an old ass Fender amp, not completely cranked out, and it just sounds, it, you can fucking hear the machinery of electric guitarness.